Anyway, uh, are you going to turn this into two podcasts, or should we try to streamline the next two books and then cut Immortal out? Immortal Hulk twenty six uh, is going to be a short. Cut out the idea of buckshots yeah, and whatever I had in, I it in store for you. Immortal. Most question. Oh. I'll do it. <laughs> Fine, that's our intro. I'll do it. It'll be two episodes. Everyone, you're welcome. That's a Django special. <laughs> oh, sucker. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not worried about editing anything out. We got. Everything. Wait, there was one thing I needed you to cut out. Oh, right. You also oh, wanted to fuck. have a 20 minute conversation about something. Didn't you want to have a conversation? Acceptable podcast episode 155. Yeah, because yeah. we've got what you need, <laughs> Jeff. And they say I'm just a comic shop guy, open they like fallopian say, tubes. Where every Tuesday we get a whole bunch of comic books and then we uh, bring them up here and tolerate Django. <laughs> um, Django. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the comic books that we've read and love, the comic shop that we all work at and love, what? or the what? comings and goings of our lives. Django, you're my hype man. I'm Jeff, and Django's my hype man. I'm Django, and Jeff's my Tyler man. <laughs> You're hype Hypey. My, my hyped man. <laughs> uh, my name's Brayden, and, and I'm here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks for being on, Brayden. You're welcome. Brayden's back, and you're gonna be, be in, in trouble. trouble. Django's not my hype man. <laughs> Brayden's back. Back again. <laughs> I'm I'm Ro and I'm my 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 man. What oh, the fuck, Ro, Ro man. my man? Ro. I love the idea in that moment of what if Roman was like, "Call me Ro." Can we like, call him Ro for the rest of the podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Ro, my yeah. man. I love it, Ro. My man, my guy, Ro. My man, um, Ro. My man. The Wade, some something there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was involved in that. Yeah. Uh, every Tuesday we did the intro. God, professionalism out the window. It means everybody's back together. This is the first podcast since the live show where there's been more than. Just me and one other person. Hey guys, let's start it kind of bad. All confused. Yeah, yeah. Do yeah. we even get an intro out? Not really. Row, 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 my, my man. man. <laughs> um, listen, we're going to talk about a slew of books this week. Pretty excited mm-hmm. about every single ding dang one of them. But it was such a big week. It was a big was. week. With a lot of heavy hitters. I was writing the email telling everyone what was in their polls, and or I was like, well, this polls. book, and this book, and this book, yeah. and this book. Oh, God, I can't <laughs> stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you should take a look at the feed and make sure that there's nothing that you don't want spoiled and skip ahead. We'll have timestamps in there. Django, what are we going to be talking about, my man? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about Undiscovered Country, number one. Be, be free, number one. New Mutants, number one. And coincidentally, also X Force number one. New Mutant Sex Force. Sex Force. Uh, Legion of Superheroes number one. I thought that started like decades ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spider Man Double Trouble. Spider Man and Venom Double Trouble Thank number you. one. Daredevil number 13. That's a one and a schlee. You're not wrong. Immortal Hulk number 26. Six divided by two is schlee. <laughs> City of Bane. Number eighty-two. Oh, oh wait, wait! Open that, open covers. that acetate cover. Oh, Batman number eighty-two. Oh. Sorry, guys. you never know. Oh, yeah, I thought I was wow. buying City of Bane. Oh, yeah. and I was excited yeah. about it, but I was, where am I going to get the other eighty-so issues of the series? <laughs> so our spoilers tonight are uh, sponsored by Farting Demon Whiskey. If you're not farting, you're not a demon. And if you're not familiar, get farting. That's right. That's right. Lay on your back, pull your knees up to your chest, and start gassing. So, Django, you're back, and it's great. (laughs) Tell me about Undiscovered Country, number one. I think we probably went, you know, an episode or two without totally gaseous-based humor. Although it was kind of devoid of humor without you, so I'm glad you're here. I actually listened to those episodes. No. Yeah, and I made my own fart jokes out loud on the the bus. Anybody (laughs) listens to a podcast that they're on when they're not on it. So the fact that you do... Really? uh, do you I guys just, listen when you are on it? No. No, but I just like, <laughs> you know, of the two episodes I haven't been on, I haven't listened to it. 
Really? Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah, you you're going to want to not miss one ever You could again. burn me down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Undiscovered Country by Scott Snyder and Charles Soule. Art by Giuseppe Camincoli and Danielle Orlandini. With colors by Matt Wilson and lettering by our new friend, Crank. Crank. Oh. Um, uh, <laughs> Django, that looks like that looks like America, though. Haven't we discovered that one? The front? Well, heck, yes, we've discovered America. But in 1997 or 93, they, uh, they, and by they, I mean we, put up a static shield around the country and wouldn't let anybody in or out. No, and, no, uh, no, 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 no. 2029. Yeah. That's when this is taking place. If you find the television that they have hanging up, oh, at it's a, some it's a point. zenith, like a zenith that yeah, I, I remember had. that, and they say that that was the last model they made before they shut the country off from everyone else. Oh, so there's a timeline in here somewhere. There is, and it says <clears throat> 2029 is the first date, and then it says eight years earlier. Is yeah, it says July 2020, 20, July 20th, 2029, zero day. The ceiling, the day the borders closed, the day the world lost America. And the eight years... I only read this info stuff because, Django, I thought that you did. Yeah, I think the TV, that was just a cool artifact. This is a television, a Zenith Century yeah. 2 CRT, probably from 1992 or 93, one of the last models of television made inside the United States. A classic. You know, maybe they all Okay, but not the last before the television. ceiling. So. Okay, so... That yeah, tells me a couple of things. Yeah, but that's and just showing that that character is, is it a was one of the last historian of, of American products. Or wrong, because that was not one of the last models of television made in the United States. I mean, States. it might have been one of the last models of like old-style television, like before we got like flat-screen plasmas and all that. Or maybe this is a fictional CRT, timeline maybe. where we offloaded jobs and production things like Stopped that to other countries. Anyway, this is the most important point in this book. Exactly. <laughs> you can, you can uh, cut this out in post. I appreciate right? your permission. Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> Method Man. Um, so this follows a team of people who uh, apparently after 2029 or whatever... Um, <laughs> have been invited to the United States by a guy who looks a lot like Colonel Sanders or a lot like that character from <laughs> East of Fighters. West or oh. Freedom Fighters, Uncle Sam. Um, they've been invited into the United States for the first time in years and years and years. Like 30 since, years? Since the zenith of technology. <laughs> um, and they're invited in because the guy in America... Who, who sent them a video message inviting a, a crew in there, says that he has a cure for a disease that's been raining out of the sky and killing most of the rest of the world, I think. Yeah. Um, and they get there. They're immediately shot down. Things don't go well. They've got, like, Mad Max kind of marauders in cars coming after them, and they end up under under a rock like inside of a mountain and they meet the guy who invited him there and he looks totally different than what uh what he looked like on the video they were literally between a rock and a hard place and they went underneath the rock oh. yeah now now i know what to do i've been wondering yeah so did you like this book because uh of the premise and the, the characters or did you just like it because of the mad max stuff that's the, a very good question. I don't usually like Mad Max stuff in comics. Like, mm. I love that new movie. Mm -hmm. um, but when it happens in comics, it always seems a little bit forced to me. And I would say that the elements of this felt forced to me a little yeah. bit. I was impressed with this one because there are a whole lot of words, and the layout for the comic mm. isn't super friendly for reading. Because most of it is like two-page spreads where the panels go across multiple pages. I actually it, read this digitally, oh. and it worked better for that. But. I, like panel to panel? Well, because it would it was a PDF, so I would have this whole like full screen the whole spread. Scroll, scrolling down. Yeah. Which is not Braden saying that he reads digital comics. Just when they send them to us Just for free. Just when they send them to us for free. <laughs> oh, oh, the PDF. Hmm. I I don't know. I, I this This pulled me through... A whole lot of words, a whole lot of exposition uh, in a way that I wouldn't have expected the book to do. And I liked I liked the world that they built. I was a little bit uh, – I wasn't super impressed with the, uh, like the city-sized car and, like, all the houses on the backs of the Mad Max cars. That's, that's a little <laughs> cheesy. Um, it's mobile homes. But I'll allow it. <laughs> mobile homes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't dislike it. It did feel a little bit like, you know, Charles Soule and Scott Snyder were sitting around like, what if this whole, like, Trump wall thing worked and we closed off the country? What if we took that to the extreme but mixed it with Mad Max? It felt a little like 
Um, not that that's at all a bad story, but you know how Justin has the ability to see the bones of everything? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, writing. It just felt a little, to me, like, very of the time and kind of hothoused in sort of what America's going through right now. Not at all a bad thing. No. But that, you know, that felt a little, to me, like, okay, this makes sense. I mean, it's a very, I feel like, a skeletal structure that image kind of rolls out pretty regularly. Like, a what if, and then, like, kind of crank it up to an extreme. mixed with these two. Slight, like close to reality, like light sci-fi stuff. Yeah, but sometimes it works. Sometimes I'm a little bored of it. I did like, I liked the paneling stuff. You know, I was sort of thinking about it, and there's a lot of double pages where there's a single image across the whole top, and Mm -hmm. it sort of like fractures and gets broken into smaller panels the further down it goes. Which to me was sort of like, I was making it up, but it's sort of like there's a metaphor for the idea of things being broken apart into smaller ideas, which is like the political nature of the book. I, and it's, uh, it's kind of like that on every page. Yeah, it is. It sort of starts with a large horizontal thing. I do think it was I really cinematic. Mm-hmm. I I liked hmm. I liked the flow of the first several pages and getting to the reveal of the walled off country. Like it it, it was super cinematic and, and and I liked that. Roman, you you crammed this thing in post work today. I did. I did. Um, yeah, I did like. I liked it too, the, the cinematic field, because it did pull me through quicker than I thought it would. Yeah, there was a couple pages you're like, that's a lot of bubbles. Yeah, it was more engaging than I thought it would be. Um, <clears throat> I'm intrigued to find out you know, how America developed after it became totally isola- isolationist, um, physically isolationist like that. Uh, the, the Mad Max stuff, I'm a little, yeah, I don't like the big house giant thing. I'm curious <laughs> about how these, like, Whatever these muted, mutated sea creatures are, how do they how do they move on land and live? I'm curious, I, I'm curious about the science of it. In in there's a couple double page sequences that he just brought up that have a lot of crazy animals and crazy vehicles. And yeah. while reading it, I thought like that is a lot of imagination. Like yeah. there's a lot of mm-hmm. creativity there to the point of like every single one of those is at least visually interesting or has an idea inside it. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at at this double page again, and it's just, like, noticing all these cool things. Like, there's, like, this weird giant man pulling this RV. There's this weird kind of Confederate-looking flag that it pops up a couple times on here. Like There's, like, a, a Mad Max car, like, the, his charger, but it has a sail on the top. Like, it's a <laughs> yeah. sailboat. Got, yeah, giant looks, beetles Because no, nothing's being... Like driven with no, it's like all being pulled by something out of gas. Yeah, out of paper. Um, enforced or not, I I kind of enjoyed the Mad Max stuff. Like, oh yeah, it's, and it's I, fun to look at. I, I agree. Like at, while I was staring at these pages, I was sort of dumbfounded by how much creativity was there. Like it would be exhausting, I feel like, to try and think of that many visually unique things. Mm-hmm. It, it's a lot of it. Like it's impressive. <clears throat> And the disease makes people leak blue out of their eyes and nose and mouth. And I I'm, thought that was really cool looking. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious about the, pol- I mean, in the, in the text piece in the back, he talks about how um, Snyder talks about how him and Sule, t- they met this guy that used to work for the CIA for DARPA and they became buddies and they talked with this guy and they talked about, you know, things about how close like Russia and the United States came to actual war mm-hmm. in the past. And so I'm curious about to see how much they explore politics too in here. Yeah. I, it felt very cinematic and pretty imaginative, and I don't really have any complaints about it other than I question how much I care. I think that if, if you folks were to say the second issue was really good, I would definitely read it, but I don't know. I think it'll depend on the week that the next issue comes out and like how big it is to see if I get to it. I think that last page has me probably just curious enough to read an issue two at least but crazy to make it a dc crossover right like the freedom <laughs> fighters uncle sam like crazy to West. bring it Bold all move. together yeah, yeah especially like giving dc no heads up about it either. but i mean scott works at dc yeah, i did text true. justin a picture of this text in the back um and highlighted justin and i had this ongoing joke about how scott snyder at the end of all of his first issues always writes something to the effect of this one is the truth is, this book is a passion project for both of us. It touches on everything we love to write about. It's high adventure, but also rooted in urgent fears. Like, he just always writes in the back of his first issue, it's a really personal project, that's right. my favorite thing, and you're like, Scott... And Batman's gonna punch the fuck out of Superman. This meant something <laughs> after, like, the first three books that you did it in, but every single one's got one of them at this point. 
He's just uh, he's just that passionate. He's got a lot of passions. So maybe um, he's just selling it to me, though. Jeff, how many landlocked sea creatures would you give this? Um, I would give it, I think, seven point five landlocked sea creatures. Not a complaint at all, and I think it's well well done in every regard. My only hesitance is just sort of questioning how much I care about it. I'll go seven and a half. I wish that the cover was a little more compelling so that we could actually <laughs> sell it because I think this is a really hard sell. I it, I like it once I look at it and digest it. And I'd like yeah. seeing all of the cover process stuff in the back. Yeah, I'm interested in coming up with logos and iconography. They put so much stuff in the back. Well, Hickman's making yeah. those infographics and X Men books. They know they've yeah. got to do actually that's, all the rage. That's what I thought when I looked at the timeline. I was like, somebody needs to pay yeah. Hickman a little bit to help yeah, him out. That's with the this. same thing I said to Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Medium good graphics. Guys. Yeah, I, I started reading the first one, and I was like, "Well, I'm I'm not going to read all this." Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm going to go with a six and a half. Um, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty dang good comic. Totally agree. I'm going to go with a seven, solid seven. Rom stop. An undiscovered seven. Rom. Mm. Row. What are Ro. we calling him? Row. My, my man. My man. The row warrior. My man. You can but, call me Row. You can call me Romy. So I just gotta say, like, it did come up already, but. Did everyone feel some sense of overlap between BB Free from Boom Studios by Gabby Rivera, um, Royal Dunlop, and Letters by Jim Campbell? Did anyone feel yes. like kind of like this is a weirdly similar to Undiscovered Country? It I, I, I didn't. BB Free, Undiscovered Country. Good. Sure. I didn't. I didn't realize it until I saw them up here next to each other. I was like, oh yeah. I read them. <coughs> I read them back. <laughs> you to okay? Back. I read them back to back. I swallowed oh. a bug. <laughs> <laughs> and I liked BB Free more than oh, yeah, Undiscovered Country. It's got a buttercup in it. Yeah, that crocodile alligator thing is <laughs> pretty great. I uh, tried to read a lot of these boom number ones, but then I saw that this was uh, a pick of Braden's this week. Braden, tell me about BB Free. Um, well, I was first noticed this book when it showed up on FOC, and I think Brittany Williams was doing a variant, who's one of my favorite artists who worked on Hellcat okay. and uh, Coldy Vance. And then I just noticed it was Gabby Rivera writing it, who did the America Chavez ongoing a while back, mm-hmm. um, and Royal Dunlap, who looked really familiar, but I couldn't quite remember until earlier this evening. It's the same artist who I ordered a uh, Jubilee kind of oh, fanzine fashion book uh, a while ago. And... Uh, there are freaking rules. It rules. I love it. And I love looking at it, and it's just on full display in this book. I don't think uh, they've had work like with a major publisher before. Mm-hmm. Um, they they do a uh, a web comic, I think, and like fanzines and stuff like that. But this is uh, this is they're really flexing with this, and it. it it freaking shows, and I love it. Um, this is about a girl named Bibi and her friend named uh, Julita, and they live in a swamp in Florida after, like, this is kind of similar timeline as Undiscovered Country, you know, yeah. like near future. Uh, the, the United States has been flooded, particularly Florida is divided up into the Florida Islands now, and so they live in a particular swamp there. And they've got kind of old technology they're trying to get work. There's a kind of community um, vibe. They talk about Mother Earth kind of rising up with some big uh, cataclysmic events and overthrowing capitalism and stuff. 200 years ago, right? Yeah. That's a long... I didn't even remember that it was 200 years ago. It says 200 years ago, Mother Nature snapped and she hit the world with a plague. Well, there is a lot of technology and culture that has evolved from something a long time ago. So... you know, I would believe 200 years because they've got these cool living pods. Yeah, even kind of like undiscovered country. There's one of these being pulled behind a. Yeah, and they all they all like eat together. It seems very uh, kind of a communal um, situation. They're all set up society wise, um, but apparently, when you turn 15, you become free to an extent or something. You can, I guess, do what you want. Sounds um, like your parents, if they sign it, you can kind of become essentially emancipated or yeah. something. Yeah, BB does not want to be... Well, BB's dad wants her to not go do what she wants and wants her to join some 
weird pseudo religious youth group thing um he seems to be engaged with some shady business with some like maybe capitalism crony dudes um who are into you know not sharing with everyone and isn't it nice to have a little bit extra for yourself and um, that scene where like she throws a a sign and a kind of creepy guy that her yeah. dad knows shows up and he's like well i won't we'll keep this our little secret i really liked the language that she used with her friend about just sort of like, yeah. I don't want to keep a secret with this guy. Like, yeah, you don't owe this weirdo any secrets. Like. Yeah, and it just, I, I liked the way that they talked about the idea of a secret as this, I don't know, it really highlighted the manipulative way with which that guy spoke. Also, Brayden, this shot several pages in. Oh, one of those classic anime. Gendo uh, Ikari from Neon Genesis oh, yeah, Evangelion. Yeah. It's it's. Down to every aspect of that image, I feel like, is a little shout-out to Neon Genesis. As you know, when you uh, push your glasses up just right at the moment where you can only see the The reflection in them, and and you're about to say something really smart. (laughs) fingers, yeah. Yeah. Um, But no, this was super fun. I loved the the character and her friend who has a super cool wheelchair that she uses. Mm -hmm. Um, And they just want to do a freaking radio show together, you know? They just want to, like, make a podcast. And And that's... Totally. When I was a little kid, there was a, sh- a Canadian show called Radio Free Roscoe that was oh, about yeah. a bunch of high school students that had a pirate radio station. And I just, I, as a 12-year-old, really desperately wanted to do that. I spent the first couple pages of this book being like, okay, like, you know, prove to me that you're going to be interesting. And it just did a, it did a totally different thing than I thought. Mm. And I think the art was really cool to be looking at the whole time. And I liked the little world that they set up, and I liked the conversations that they had, and I liked her motivations. And it had a sort of uh, Walt Kelly down on the bayou swamp jazz band feel to it the whole time. There was like several panels that really reminded me of Pogo. Yeah. Uh, through the lighting and the environment, which I, I really liked that. She's got a great shirt that just says Swamp Nerd on yeah, it. I love that, right too. Which is awesome. Um just like yeah, her conversations with her friend just feel very real and earnest, and like, I I care about them like immediately. Just diving into this a little bit, and I want them to do their dang thing and fuck off, Dad. Yeah, we'll do a radio show. Yeah, there, there's this community feel, I and mean, there's that scene where that panel where BB is um, they're t- her and her friend are talking, and she's talking about uh, not holding anything back, and the the buttercup, the gator. Behind her, BB's got her hands raised in triumph, and the gator behind her is also like jumping up out of the water and with his mouth open, like also in triumph. And it's, the, it's just really cute. The gator was awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I love the shot where she's like, Gator, let's go for a ride. And, and like she rides across <laughs> the little swamp scene. Uh, it was yeah. adorable because I love cats. And just the lighting in it, like the coloring, the lighting is. Yeah, Incredible. it's yeah. really cool. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Corey uh, Lewis. Yeah, um, Sunbaker. A little, a little softer on the line work, um, but I really like. It's just a really, really cool art style. Yeah, yeah, I like the art yeah. a lot. Yeah, I like the comparison with uh, Walt Kelly and Pogo too. That's you can see see a little bit of the Ewok Village at the end of that movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it it surprised me. And you know, if I had to pick between Undiscovered Country and BB Free, I would rather read BB Free. I, I agree, Jeff. Yeah, but between the two of them, I'm, I'm intrigued by the big ideas of Undiscovered Country, but I'm more invested in BB Free because it's smaller. It's about relationships and and their little community and trying and growing up. Yeah, like I like that's more interesting. I liked Undiscovered Country, but I didn't find any of the characters interesting. Right. Really, like I yeah. didn't connect with anyone. But yeah. This one, right off the bat, um, I think I'm. I think it would go with a nine. Yeah. I don't know why I'm not going giving it a 10, though. So check back next week. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or uh, do it the Jeff way. Split the Diffy. 9.5. Mm. 9.5. Yeah, sure. Romshad? I'll give it an 8. Or, Row, rather. Row. <laughs> My man. <laughs> Row, baby. Get it right. <laughs> okay. Mm. Uh, I'm going to go 8, 8.5. Soft in there. Like, um, you know, may- maybe an 8, but... Looked cool. Mimi interested. I'll read the next issue. I'm going to go read it. You guys got this? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) With that high average of a score, I've got to read this. Well, (laughs) that is. I must put it inside my eyes. Um, Is that what you considered? How do you read? 
Look on the cover, the BBs on her backpack yeah. are in, are capitals. Yeah. Oh, oh cheaters. That's funny. Um, it's a cool cover look. So I'm really excited. Shout out to friend of the show, oh Andrew Carlson. Oh. Uh, Hi, Andrew. Who is creating a database of all the scores, and I'm really <laughs> what? excited. What? Oh, my gosh. That brave, brave soul. Yeah. I'm super excited to get him, uh, once he's gotten through most of them, to get him on here and have a data episode where we just talk about a bunch of trends. You put out a bounty for this, right? How, no, f- how's the reward? We can talk about how funny we are. Well, he did share a quote recently. I think Jenga said in the first episode, but I think it, uh, it's very good. He said, if it reads, I read. And I think that's pretty, pretty good and pretty Django. Um, if it but, bleeds, it leads. Um, thanks, Django. <laughs> um, see that? No, that's, that's, that's seconds that's, of dead air. That's from a movie. It's I've heard that. No, it's it's from... A, Journalism. It, yeah. yeah, it's what yeah. every single yeah. Well, yeah. editor in chief says to every. Yeah, Perry White is, you know, yeah. the front page, all these movies. Yeah. I thought it was one of those really creepy, gross things that boys say in high school about people. No, you want those? I got a list of those. I'm too. sure no. you got a big. <laughs> you had a website full of those. those. Yeah, yeah. I, I bet he's got some chants about did. him, too. Oh, boy. Let's get out of here. <laughs> oh, boys. Let's get out of here. Oh, that was we a can close talk call. about You were really mutants. taking a chance with that. Or X Force first. Well, oh, okay. Should, should we do New Mutants first? Because that's the reading Yeah, that's order. the order. There's New Mutants. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. That's, that's the reading order. Reading order. Yeah. That's also the original release order where New Mutants started, and then at 100, it stopped and turned into X-Force. Yeah, but with when, Cable on the cover. When was Magma's first appearance, though? Don't know. Who? New Mutants turned Amara? into X-Force? Magma? Hey, yeah, well, how come Magma's New Mutants? This? Yeah, where's Magma? That's what I want to know. Wow, that's a good Jacob point. Jacob doesn't know when she first appeared. I thought he was a back issue expert. The Rota? Didn't even know it was a she when you guys said it at first. This is issue number one of New Mutants by Jonathan Hickman. Ed Brisson is co-writing this series right now, and then Rob Reese is doing the art. No, that's Bill Sienkiewicz. It's worth mentioning that Hickman said that there are several story elements that different series will be dealing with that are going to be really important later on. So he said that he'll probably be doing this, where he steps in to write issues for all of the different X-Men books at various times to oh. make sure that... So my original understanding was that he was co-writing New Mutants for whatever reason. It was going to be really important or something. But no, it's he's writing every other issue for four issues, and then he's out. And then at some point, he'll probably dip into some other books to be laying the groundwork Which for is, larger things. It's weird, because they're both credited on there. Yeah. Like... And there were elements of this that made me question whether or not Hickman wrote the whole issue. Mm-hmm. Were there elements in here that made you question whether or not he read part of the issue? Because that's what I would be more worried about. Like him handing the reins over to Briss and whatever, as long as he can say, oh, wait, that doesn't make any fucking sense. That thought you know never I mean? occurred to me. Um, so he's dipping in and out of these series kind of like uh, like a TV show writer would. Yeah, like, I mean, so he's just... <clears throat> He said that, yeah, I mean, all of them, he gives all of these writers a pretty huge degree of freedom. Right. And he doesn't ever tell them no on anything. Uh, Django sent me a really great podcast interview with him that came out last week, and it's off panel, and it's with Jonathan Hickman. Hashtag don't call me showrunner. Yeah. And he says, you know, he really hates the term showrunner, and there's no real role in comic books. It is equivalent to that. But he talks about... I mean, so that's the interview where he said that, which is just to say, you know, as ultimately kind of the person who's laying the groundwork for the whole thing, if there's an element in one of the series that's going to tie really heavily into his stuff, he's dipping in to cover the way that it's represented. That's cool. Um, I think it's really cool because there's a real cohesiveness to this whole line of books. I really like that. And this book, I took it home, and I flipped through it, and I immediately stopped and texted Django because <laughs> I was so excited at how much Rod Reese's art looks like Bill Sienkiewicz's art mm. but doesn't at the same time. Like, yeah. it's His art has always looked like this, but being on this book made me realize how much he looks like Bill Sienkiewicz's art. And having an excuse to do Magic's eye, eye like, yeah. drawn, oh, traced yeah. probably from a Bill Sienkiewicz yeah. drawing. <laughs> like, just the art in this was incredible. I, I loved it. It was so much fun to see. And in a week where we're comparing books, um, I somehow actually think I liked X-Force more. But this one was so great looking. Mm-hmm. New Mutants. 
What what was ever before we jump into the X Force? What was everyone's thoughts on this? People have read New Mutants. We talked well, about War Children a couple months ago when that one shot came out. I want to just uh, off at the very beginning they bring uh, Rain Sinclair back, yeah. uh, Wolf Spain, um, who got killed off in Rosenberg's Uncanny X Men run. Mm-hmm. Pretty, a pretty unceremoniously. Yeah, in a pretty controversial way that he got a lot of heat for. Probably, I would say, deservedly so. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I don't even remember that, and I read that run. Yeah, it was. Um, she was uh, killed by just like some humans who came up and were harassing her and stuff, and okay. realized she was a mutant. And they were like, "Oh, well, you're out here like trying I to trick us or that. something." And it's it's a very it drew a lot of parallels with uh, like. Uh, murders that often happen to trans people yeah um, yeah or even race <clears throat> issues with police is yeah what it made me think and uh but she's back now and like there's a a moment where uh a karma is like you want to talk about it or anything and she's just like no i don't think i need to which i i appreciate that she's not going to dwell on this like have this dark thing kind of hanging over her for a long time we can and the writer's on. not going to let it happen yeah but it's also yeah, yeah it's also kind of the safe thing where like we're gonna we're gonna just kind of pretend that didn't happen, maybe. Well, like, one of the cool things in that podcast that's what I was, just say. was uh, Hickman talking about how in the past, like the, there there are so many X Men and everybody wants to play with these these characters, and in order to put a new team together, you got to get a list of who's dead, and then mm-hmm. you got to figure out how to bring them back, yeah. and then you can start telling your story. And what he kind of one of his goals with the House and Powers was just to be like, all right fuck you everybody's alive you want to kill somebody doesn't matter like you can do it for a plot point but you can't do it to make people sad mm-hmm. like he, he talks about how he wants people to feel like x books are safe books and you mm-hmm. don't need to worry about people dying and while hearing him talk about that my thought was well Django's gonna think about that issue of house of x number three or whatever where all of them died um and then he brought them back the next issue and to me that was demonstrative of exactly what he was saying, which is, this doesn't matter, right? And it's not going to matter, mm. and and you know, it shouldn't that, mean something. Yeah, yeah. Hear, hearing that made me made me appreciate what he did in that issue, and then also appreciate that a writer can't kind of take the lazy method of killing a character to make you sad. They can kill a character to stop them from punching that guy in front of them, right? And like. Use use it as a as a plot point um, or like a save point where they can send him back to right. where Krakoa. And it's not like you know it still sucks to die. Yeah, like yeah, when people yeah. die in these books, like it's like oh that looks like it was probably painful. We've all seen Men in Black when Will Smith has to shoot that alien's head off and then it regrows and he talks about how much it hurts. Yeah. We all saw no, the movie. That alien's not even the bravest man I know. No, Roman is. Roman, what'd you th- row? Is my man. My man is Ro. My man. What did you think of New Mutants as the only guy here who's probably read uh, most of New Mutants? Actually, Braden, I don't. I don't want to speak for you. Have you read much New Mutants? I've read a good handful of it actually. Like uh, back when I had the Marvel app. Okay. I've I've read through a lot of it. I've plowed through enough to meet Magma apparently. Okay. I've only read the Demon Bear stuff. Uh, I read read every issue, including the original graphic novel. Yeah, Robin's definitely but, read more than me. But yeah, Braden brought up the fact. I mean, I forgot about Magma. I'm really curious where Magma is now. Yeah, they they she act the like uh, they gotta girl. find Sam. Like he's the most important yeah. member. To find. Right. Where's Magma? Yeah. Stop saying yeah. Magma. It's making me feel weird. And that, that is so. This issue is the New Mutants kind of gathering on Krakoa, realizing Cannonball Sam isn't around. <clears throat> having Cyclops use his dad's Starjammer ship to take them to the edge of Shi'ar space to go find Cannonball. Yeah. That's kind of the point. I don't remember who Mondo is. I don't remember that guy. There's this really great page where they're like kind of talking to it and there's kind of like there's a, a page where there's like they're talking like this is great isn't it it's super nice and it's just like there's a panel where there's no one talking they're just kind of looking and smiling like we should get sam yeah it's, like, <laughs> it's it's very well laid out i didn't know who sam was when i was i had it. to do a google to see who cannibal was and i remembered of course the cover of new mutants where he's flying. i have no idea what he's doing in shiar space but yeah yeah i didn't um, know he had a, i guess does he have family with lila cheney the the singer the heavy metal singer he was in love with in the old series and so what you think about this sure. <laughs> you know i liked it because the dialogue captured like the old new mutants camaraderie their friendship their, yeah. their family kind of like the old teen titans though my favorite thing in the issue what uh, what i'm curious is the most maybe the most important thing is when they're on uh star jammer ship 
Yeah, the and, star they're ta- and they're talking to Chod, and he comes out. He's one of the star jammers. Tells them there's some kind of problem with the Krakoa flower that Doug has brought on board, and it's trying to communicate maybe with Krakoa. And it, there's a hint that Chod is picking up that that it's that Krakoa is automatically trying to terraform. And there's this this hint here, okay, there's some kind of threat maybe going on with Krakoa. Because I still think Krakoa is well, going to betray them all. I think it's just because Krakoa is a different, uh, totally different atmosphere from yeah. the plants he's trying to grow from, like, his original home plant or something. But that idea... But it could be. If there's... I, I interpret it as sort of like um, if you have a, a colony of bacteria in a Petri dish and you were to put, you know, two colonies next to each other, like, sort of once those colonies grow together, they spread more quickly. Like, there's... Um, even down to bacterial levels, like sort of when a a thing is around a thing of a similarity, it grows quicker or grows together. And it had that idea to me of, um, you know, these two things, now they want to grow another island was sort of how I thought it. I didn't necessarily think about maybe malicious or lack mm-hmm. of trust, but all of these X-Books to me have that, this element yeah. of like a lack of trust that's coming. And uh, I read the whole issue twice because that was one of two mm. moments where I was a little bit, I wanted to sort of recheck it out. Um, well, yeah, it's very did, interesting. Did the Starjammers even know these guys were on their way there? Because I got the feeling that they just kind of showed up. Am I am I wrong it was about a, that? It's unfortunately a very quick scene transition. They're like, hey, you want to go on a trip? And then Corsair is just like, yeah, my son said, you, or whatever oh, said, okay. you needed a ride. Yeah. I read it in a dark bar. Yeah. Yeah, Apologies. But, it was, but it was kind of clunky. It was a clunky transition. Yeah, you're like, well, why would Cyclops just let him go off with this and his dad's going to like drop him off somewhere? Because they got copies backed up. <laughs> Who cares? And I, I guess. Oh, that's true, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but it played into a, an idea that is then brought up back in X-Force, which is, as I was reading this, like a theme in X-Force is that Krakoa is not a prison. So this idea of like, all right, but what if you do just want to go fly off into space? Like what sort of you know, what sort of system is in place within Krakow to allow people to do whatever they want, you know, and then this sort of reference to that. Or, as or long as it's not, it. like, American airspace or Russian airspace, oh, you can sh- do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I like the the pirate aspects of it. I thought the art was gorgeous. The, I think um, the art is incredible. Yeah. And I thought it was a really funny issue. There, I, Magic I, is funny. It is funny. Yeah. yeah. Magic and coffee is funny. Bourbon. Yeah. That, that part was a little too Buffy cute for me. I, I, um, it, Colette hadn't read it yet, and I was like, well, listen, I really liked Magic in it, but I also have read her as a pretty dour character in the past, and right. I don't know if this will feel counter to what you perceive Magic as. I, I also really like the uh, the end where they, they're like, oh, no, it's cool. I know a space lawyer. And then Andrew Carlson came in and friend pointed of the show. out, a friend of the show, pointed out that uh, this space lawyer that he knows <laughs> is a space lawyer from the the Al Ewing Rocket Raccoon story. His, his name's like Blat Blurdock or something yeah. like that. Yeah. We need to take a pause because Andrew Carlson said something profound today. Andrew Carlson, oh. friend of the show. Was it a fart joke? Uh, no, because it was profound. Um, and... Wait a minute. <laughs> but he's, he said that he's pretty sure from gut instinct that Al Ewing is going to be writing the Moira McTaggart X-Men book that has been talked oh. about but not enough. And oh. I thought that that is so brilliant and absolutely makes sense. And mm-hmm. I hope he does, but he's not going to put her in jars, is he? Probably not. <laughs> but then I read uh, immortal Hulk this week and there are two references within the book about what's going on with X-Men. And huh. it just yeah. felt very closely. So he's, related. Yeah. he's practicing. Yeah. I do have one question. Yeah. Who's this guy? The guy with the whiskey? Robert Sunspot. De Acosta. Sunspot. Sunspot. How did he drink that much whiskey? I was wondering that too because he can absorb. The it's power just him of the sun. drinking it. Yeah, it's but it's him alone. He drank a yeah, whole bottle of whiskey. Yeah, yeah. I he's, thought he was just look like, at that face and tell me he can't drink that. Feels much. like it, <laughs> I thought he was about to be real drunk. He's had it for five minutes. Yeah, he should that's, be that's laying on the ground. <laughs> you said, but you said it being funny. It's like not just because there's like funny jokes in it, but the art really, I think, it it lines it. Matches the humor like so well and perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- there aren't a lot of like set up punchline gags. Yeah, but there there are a lot of kind of like, quippy. Yeah, or like a punchline mixed with a certain expression. Like yeah. the facial expression stuff is, is. There's a lot of visual uh, gags in here that are just speak to the artist's talent. I give it yeah. an eight. I let's w- yeah. Oh great! Fuck. I want to do scores for I all sure. of them. Rank yep, them all yep, together. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, okay. But before we get out of here. I do just want to say I preferred the scenes where they were sort of all buddying out and on the island 
once again, kind of the opposite of Django. I preferred the island stuff to the space stuff, mm-hmm. but I could see Django digging the space stuff more than the island stuff. Roman, what were you just going to say? You know, Roman loves space. What was I going to say? I don't um, know. I don't know. I, I think I was just going to say, I really want to see the Star Jammers and the Marauders just a little mini of the, them doing piratey stuff. Mm-hmm. I just want to see that Captain Star Jammer get a better costume. Corsair? Corsair? Yeah. That's a great That's costume. That's a classic costume. No, I love that costume. I'm, it's so cheesy. Not I would, that they're wrong, but I so thought great. the same thing when I was looking at Django. I was like, there's something about this costume that, that makes me not care I, about this that character. Would, That's a Dave Cockrum 70s costume. Yeah. I love cool. It. I'd cross the street to avoid having to walk <laughs> by that guy. <laughs> He's a pirate, oh, yeah. of course. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like he would like spit on me or punch me or do something unpredictable. Probably both. All three. Yeah. Okay. Crossing the street. So we'll save scores, but does anybody have any other thoughts on New Mutants before we get out of here? Uh, eight. Where's Better than the old mutants. Magma. Better than the old mutants. Rolls <laughs> magma. magma. You're making me feel weird. Um, <laughs> I don't get it. Ro. My man. Yo. Let's talk about <laughs> X-Force number one by Benjamin Percy, Joshua Kassara, and my favorite secret weapon. Crank? Dean White. Oh. My favorite colorist in comic books. <laughs> Dean White? I love him. And that is what elevated this whole art <clears throat> to me. And then he did backup art assist recently in The Last God, but... No one does coloring like him, and I think he's the best in the industry, and I love him, and he does the coloring for many of my favorite artists, and he's pretty unsung. He did Isad Ribic's coloring before Yves Forshina came on board. He does Jerome Pena's coloring, but the thing that defines Dean White's coloring is not a clever thing with his name, but he uses white highlights. He conveys lighting and depth and realism it is good colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm I'm not familiar with his name, but yeah, this is beautiful. I read this one also in a dark bar. Dude, this one deserves a really good service. So anyway, that that's that's the thing I've been really excited to say is I didn't realize his name was on it, and I got like four pages in. I was like, I think this is Dean White, and I went back and I was excited. What did you guys think of this? I liked it. It was funny, <laughs> and then I was sad. Was it funny? I don't remember being funny. Yeah. There were some funny bits in here, and I don't remember what they were anymore. <laughs> they were funny, but I mean... Are you thinking of New Year's? The fact that Kitty... No. <laughs> no, I was really surprised that they were both funny. Kitty Pride and the Marauders, their 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 ship is named the Kitty Hawk. Mm. <laughs> I love that. Is that the first ship she's ever been on? I don't I get it. So. That's I don't a, actually get either of those. That's a Wright Brothers joke for oh. you guys. <laughs> I'm really shocked... This was, you know, if somebody had told me a month ago what I projected would be my favorites and least favorite books out of this relaunch, X-Force was definitely my prediction to be the lowest. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. I have never really loved X-Force books, like the super action ones. Remender's X-Force run is probably my favorite X-Men run before this Hickman stuff. I stopped at Liefeld and yeah. just never went back to X-Force. And I was pretty Jeez. stunned. I was surprised, too. Uh Especially, I mean, I love the stuff with Beast and Wolverine, Black Tom Cassidy, and you know, because I'm reading, I'm like, why are you guys trusting Black Tom Cassidy? But they used him so well in this as the island security force. Yeah, they just went to Russia in Marauders. It wasn't this heavy. Yeah, like right. Did they pick up Colossus in Russia? No, I don't think so. Okay, so I think that they've just been doing a different thing. They do mention he was over there. He was part of this. uh, Yeah, right. He was at the. Team to like get extract mutants who wanted to come to Krakoa but couldn't get out of you know places like Russia. But that's what the Marauders are supposed to do, right? Yeah, but they've also got people like Colossus, and it hints other people that are involved in that process too. I love the way that they talked about the damage that those people have gone through, which is like you know they're like Gene, can you tell me where he hurts? And they're like, man, I'm I see a muddy tank treading through a meadow of red flowers. I see a corpse with flies crawling in and out of its mouth. I see a silo on fire and a barn on fire and livestock on fire i can't tell you where they hurt because they hurt everywhere yeah but also gene i'm a doctor i need to know (laughs) physically how to treat that that's all very powerful gene but i need to fix this that's very poetic but so i I didn't catch this on my first read but in the very beginning domino gets uh domino tries to infiltrate this group and they pin her down and take her blood and that is why these guys can parachute into Krakoa because they've, they've infused their, themselves oh. with mutant blood. So, oh. like, oh. right here. I think you just had to go through a gate or sail like the Marauders are. But they've dropping. also I, got I, psionic blocks. Oh, they've got psionic okay. blocks. And then uh, Black Tom Cassidy's talking to Sage, and she says, it looks like Domino's back. Yeah, oh, but it's these guys dropping okay, yeah. from the oh. sky. I stared at that image, being like, "Well, which one of them's Domino?" My attendance okay. yeah. was too short to catch. I didn't, I didn't get that either. Yeah, and then so one of the things I thought was funny was like in the beginning, Wolverine is uh, Wolverine's 
chasing this beast from Krakoa, which... Not the beast. <laughs> no, the, it, he saves the beast from this other beast, and and they have a conversation about how, like, there's there are predators here. It's not a totally safe island. Like, this this monster was trying to kill Hank. You've got soft, Hank. <laughs> well, I'm really impless, impressed with the sophistication of this writing. When... When Charles Xavier is talking to somebody about trusting, or Black Tom Cast, he's talking to him, and he's like, well, do you know that the whole council didn't want me to have you on here, Black Tom Cassidy, because he's saying you shouldn't trust these people. Um, and he's like, I assured them that you know they could trust you. All mutants can <clears throat> be trusted. And then he says, but by that same virtue, you need to trust these people as well. And right. like, that, it's just a sophisticated idea, and yeah. I didn't expect that in an X-Force book. Yeah, and it was it's kind of... It surprised me that when Beast is ta- or well, Logan and Beast are talking, and Logan points out that uh, because you felt sheltered, that's what Kokoa does makes everyone feel safe. But when you're safe, you're soft. So mm-hmm. Wolverine's got a little bit of you know mistrust of this too, which is yeah. good to see because that's what I expect of him. But you didn't see any of that in the previous the, the Hawks and the Pox. Po- yeah, yeah. Or Marauders, where he's just after beer from America. Yeah, yeah. And in the Hawks and Pox, you know, he's just totally like dancing and all happy and stuff and. Well, and then later, I think he's eating that beast on a campfire when the guys land. Yeah. So, like, despite despite Hank telling him not to kill it. Yeah. And then also, I don't know if you guys caught this, but uh, when Charles goes to Sokovia. Yeah, they put some in the drink. It's beverage. There's a black spot in there. There's a black spot in it, but the the Sokovian leader says uh, he's talking about Charles and he says, may he live forever. Yeah. And Mm. spoiler, Charles gets shot in the head at the end of this issue. So. I think one of the things that made me love this issue so much is I think of the five books now that have come out, this one actually felt like it followed up on the politics and the social structure that Krakoa was trying to create. This one followed that up most directly, which, you know, just like New Mutants, what I liked the most was them on the island. I'm really curious about them on the island and fitting into the world and that sense of security or the false sense of security. And I really liked having that covered in this issue but that really surprised me that this was the one doing it and then to have charles shot in the head at the end is how it like this reading order you reminded me right when going into this there's a reading order in the backs i love the idea that you know excalibur and marauders were before this moment and now the next issues are going to be after this moment like this really very tight-knit continuity of all this really excites me yeah yeah, me too. And, you know, Charles is going to grow him a new body and everything, but he was wearing Cerebro. That Cerebro's just shattered. That is so do they have? Do they have extra Cerebros? Is <laughs> is Charles part of the resurrection team? Yeah, does he need to be there for it? And that's what I was yeah. thinking It made me so excited as well, which is like, you know, at some point we're probably training telepaths to be able to back up. Do that part. You know, Charles' consciousness in their body or something. Well, they can do it, but... But it ha- it's like once a month or something. He goes yeah. into for a yeah. three-day backup right. or something crazy. But his body's gone. He can't He, he even that, says so. in the issue, like, I'm the finish line. Like, right, right. And so they know to take him out, takes all that stuff out. That final page, though, is is very demonstrative of, of what I love about Dean White's coloring. As a side note. Mm. It just really showed, God, I love him so much. And I haven't seen him much lately at all. So. Hey. I want, if you wouldn't mind, <laughs> scores from those two books from everybody, and then I would love to see the the list rankings of the five books so far, and uh, who is where with it. Are we at all six? No. There's one next no, week. No, we got uh, Fallen Angels next Fallen yeah. Angels, yeah, 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 yeah. So um, <clears throat> I would give New Mutants an 8.5. I'll give Excalibur, an, or sorry, X-Force a 9, and I'm going to rank them... Oh, God. My scores dictate a contradiction, but I'm going to say X-Men is my favorite, um, then New Mutants, then X-Force, then Marauders, then Excalibur. X-Men, Where does Fallen Angels fit? I don't know yet. That's the, we've been getting, If you've been listening, we've been getting a list of the <laughs> rankings every episode since they've been coming out. I think I would put these two at the top Okay. with an 88, an 8 two for eights. each. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Marauders and then X-Men and then Excalibur's way down for me. I really I stopped reading Excalibur. I, also I, I got about halfway through and I was like this this doesn't didn't like it very much. I don't like it. And I hope that 
I hope it's good and I hope that people like it, but I oh, it, it just covers so much it's so much ground that I don't care about and I love the I, bailed. I love the plot strokes of what they're working with in Excalibur. I, w- I would read the cliff notes for Excalibur. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> Who wants X, to go next? The X notes. I'll go next. Uh, uh for the listeners at home, Braden just gestured to He just Roman. gestured to Roe. My man. <laughs> it's true. Stotty. New Mutants, I would give... Uh, what did I give it? Didn't I already give it something? No, Roman. I, I did. I'm the uh, one sorry, that you did it. Okay, fucked up. yeah. Uh, give it an 8. X-Force, give it a 9.5. Whoa! 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 Go- whoa. Gooey? Did you nope. give it a 9.5? No. No Gooey Duck. I gave it an 8.5 and a 9. I was oh, so okay. close. But I ranked maybe New Mutants as a series. I'm more excited about than X-Force, but I, okay. yeah, anyway. Okay. It didn't make sense. Um... We need Graf, Andrew Carlson. Yeah. Andrew Carlson. And then the rest? Uh, Friend of the boy. show. Excalibur. Of the show. Excalibur's <laughs> the lowest one for me, too. Um, Marauders. That's Philistines. fairly high up there because I like Kitty Pride so much. I'd probably give Marauders a seven. X-Men, that was the one on the moon with the Summers yeah, 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 family. Yeah. Uh, I don't need any numbers. I just want to rank them. Oh, okay. Um, X-4, surprisingly, is top. Uh, then... Probably X-Men, Marauders, New Mutants, Excalibur's last. Okay. Brayden, flip the script for me. Um, so X-Force, probably a six for me. It felt very much like an X-Force book, mm-hmm. and I think that's great, but I don't think I care about X-Force yeah, yeah, yeah. books anymore. Um, New Mutants, an eight, I suppose. And for the rankings, I think we go... Actually... Literally in order that they've come out, yeah. X Men number X Men Marauders Excalibur New Mutants X Force. Wow, dang that! So it's, it's just been getting worse and worse. <laughs> <laughs> this whole Dawn of X thing is getting worse and worse. Um, gosh, I'm really this week. These two made me really excited for the whole thing. Like it sort of the whole week, just the whole Dawn of X thing. Did it make you excited enough? To read Legion of Superheroes? <laughs> um, yes. It didn't because I had to read New Mutants a second time. Oh. So we're going to talk about New Mutants again. So let's do that again <laughs> and then re-rank them. But I do want to hear about Legion of Superheroes very much oh. from my wonderful best buddies that I'm sitting in a room with. Uh, are you going to turn this into two podcasts or should we try to streamline the next two books and then cut the out... Mortal Hulk 26 uh, is going to be a short Cut out the idea of buck yeah, shots do and whatever I had in the store for you. Immortal. <laughs> Mostly. Question. Oh. I'll do it. <laughs> Fine. That's our intro. I'll do it. It'll be two episodes. <laughs>